from Andres Bergen, the acclaimed creator of the popular graphic novel Bullet Gal, comes the retelling of the classic Tristan and Isolde. Tristan Holt turns things on its head and places our heroes in a 70s pulp world. Queenie rules with an iron fist, and when two of her best men are killed, it's up to her niece Trista to find out what happened. Tristan Holt by Andres Bergen. Available online at If Comics. That's If question mark C-O-M-M-I-X. Issues also available at dollardownloads.com. Welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture, our Halloween episode at that. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. We've got a good show for you today. Uh, first, we're going to be talking horror movies in our retro roundtable. Uh, then we're going to talk comics like we always do, mm-hmm. Halloween-themed comics. And then we have a few special guests for you. Uh, first, Sarah Hollis from the 100 Tears comic project that's currently running on Kickstarter till November 16th. It, it looks creepy. Yeah, it does. Very I, creepy. That picture of the eyes. It's gonna. I'll probably have nightmares tonight because uh, it looks into your soul. Uh, yeah, like it, <laughs> it just gets right into you. And we'll be talking with her about the Kickstarter and uh, the 100 Tears comic a little bit. I never knew anything about it, but it's based off mm. of a movie, a cult classic movie, I guess. And it's not that old of a movie, really. No, like 2007, but, yeah. I think. So we'll be doing that, and then afterwards we'll be talking with Benjamin Peter, professional makeup artist. Uh, you probably remember him from Season 8 of Face Off. Let's just kick this off with our Retro Roundtable. Here we go! All right, Jack. Horror movies. What come to mind? One that will always stick with me, and I don't know if I can still watch it to this day. Really? Is, well, I don't Maybe it's not. It probably is a horror movie. Uh, The Twilight Zone of the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I can relate with you on that, because when I saw it as a child, Mm -hmm. that scene, the very opening scene in the ambulance when he want to see a scary face and... That part didn't scare me as much. That did to me when I was young. <laughs> was what? that Dan Aykroyd? I think it was. Yeah. yeah. What what part got you? The rabbit. It was like the yes, the kid that would have people come to the house and then he would just keep them there. Yes. Yeah. That when that like he pulled was it the he grandpa? could do anything with his mind. Yeah. He pulled the rabbit out of the hat and it was all just a huge giant skin monster. Yeah. Oh my god. Huge teeth. Yeah. yeah. Funny fact about that, in that same uh, that same little skit there, that same portion of the movie, the sister who got put into the television mm-hmm. was being chased by the cartoons. Yeah. That's Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> one of her early roles. Wow. Yeah. We learned something today. <laughs> that After was a that, great movie. And then they did the old, there's something on the wing with John oh. Lithgow at the end. Yeah. That 
I, I don't like to look at when he opens a curtain because the way that thing's face is mashed up against mm-hmm. the Yeah, that still gives me the creeps. And then they put him in that same ambulance at the very end when he gets off the plane yeah. from the beginning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, what was the opening sequence? It, wasn't, it was like a... Uh, wasn't like a prejudice guy who... No, that was an actual episode. I'm th- a guy who wakes up like on a train to a concentration camp. I don't kind of like remember. a role reversal thing. I remember the old folks. Oh that got, yes, that turned young from kicking the can. Yeah, yeah. Then the one with the kid, the airplane. I don't remember the other, the very first one. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it, he was uh, he was some kind of a bigot, and then he just found himself in all these uh, situations, kind of like a Scrooge situation. Mm. Like, I've learned my lesson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can relate now. Yeah. What about you for scary movies? Oh, uh, you know, I've never been huge on scary movies. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that's just because I, uh, I'm i too picky with them. It's got to be just right for me to get into it. Otherwise, I'm just like, this is stupid. Like Cabin <laughs> in the Woods. Love, Lots of people love that movie. Other people's skin was peeling off? No. No, no but I know, I know what you're talking about. That was uh, ooh, Cabin Fever. That's what it was, That's yeah. what the one you're yeah. talking Yes. No, this was uh, like... These kids were staying in a cabin, and weird stuff started happening, and they tried to leave the cabin, but anytime they tried to leave the area, something kept pushing them back. Turns out they were all part of a... Oh, my God, it was so stupid. There was like a... Deep underground, there's like a base where this whole organization, once a year, would draw in a group of teenagers and kill them in any certain way. They needed their blood to sacrifice to this big god that if it didn't get this blood every year would destroy the earth hmm yeah it was does that make sense sure sure i, I guess it makes sense but it so these stupid. kids in this cabin stumble into this catacombs and there's all these different like cell blocks one of them has like a mummy one has a dracula one has werewolves one has zombies one has you know, like a swarm of hornets everybody's worst fears hmm. like one of them has like a jason Voorhees looking guy in it all of our horror movies that we know today are a result of, like, this sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it, it was stupid. It was, it was too much. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, favorite, though. I would have to say my favorite, and you're going to laugh, is probably Child's Play. I love those movies. Mm-hmm. They're not scary anymore. When you were young, it was kind of scary. Yeah. But, um... They're just funny, and I love his laugh. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I love those movies, though. They actually put one out last year or the year before. It was, it was the year before, because I think, yeah, it was around when we did the first the first uh, Halloween episode. Yeah, yeah, The Curse of Chucky, I think it was called, yeah. which is on Netflix now. I still have to watch it. I never did watch it yet. It was, it was good. I mean, uh, for a Chucky movie, anyway. <laughs> It'd be so good. Yeah, it, see, the... Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. My God, Seed of Chucky I was didn't horrible. I try to see that. Yeah, it was so just the title was bad enough for me to be like, nope. When it came out, I was like a diehard Child's Play fan, so it would have taken a lot to disappoint me. I was severely disappointed. It was awful. <laughs> but in those two movies, what happened was Chucky became the centric star of the movie. You followed yeah. Chucky around through those movies, getting comedic one-liners as he killed people, rather than you, you know, sticking with the victim the whole time, not knowing where he is. Right. This, the one that came out a year or two ago, went back to that. You're following the the main uh, girl, which is, I don't even remember, the daughter... 
the daughter of the girl Charles Lee Ray loved when mm, he was still alive yeah. or something like that. But it was good. One of my favorites, I'd probably have to say, is Event Horizon. Ooh, Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, uh, was he in that? Was that the one where, like, a space station goes away for years and comes back yeah, or something? Yeah, it went, they learned how to use black hole to travel in space where it would bend time and they and all of a sudden it disappeared and then just out of nowhere it it appears it um, was what's his name that was in the first Jurassic part the main archaeologist that they they grabbed oh um oh yeah alan grant the guy who played out alan yeah, grant yeah what the heck's his name it's irrelevant yeah but you know who we're talking about people <laughs> everyone I knows can't who remember that is maybe Lawrence fishburne was in that i don't remember he was in one of those kind of space or underwater kind of movie yeah. Things with like a something in a vessel killing. Yeah, you know, I don't know. There's been multiple movies like that, but there's always been something, something about that movie. I think one of the the parts that stands out the most is after like everything starts going crazy and people are dying. Alan Grant, he's all uh, cut up and stuff because uh, basically the the ship went to hell and came back. And oh, really? He grabs. I think it was a lady like the survivor of the movie and he's like this is what I saw and then puts his hand on her head and you just see all these crazy images I don't know that always stuck in my head (laughs) it was kind of cool but man I don't remember that I must be thinking of a different movie I enjoyed that movie for not watching a lot of horror movies have you ever seen uh, D. Snyder's Strangeland no no (laughs) I don't know if that was in theaters or not but uh, that was really really good he kind of played like a uh, somewhat of like a Buffalo Bill Silence of the Lambs mm. character he he would kidnap people and string them up with all these cords and stuff like through their body like through their limbs I guess it's kind of like a form of art but he uh, D. Snyder played the main killer too he made the movie and played the main killer but like half of his face was tattooed he had like that big shock of orange hair mm-hmm. piercings everywhere but uh, throughout the movie, he begins. He tries to. He goes to prison. He gets caught. Goes to prison. Tries to make a normal life, and people just keep harassing him, trying to kill him for what he's done. So he comes back full force. It was a good movie. He was twisted sister. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard his sister's twisted too. <laughs> Another movie that I could never. I haven't tried watching it again, but it was a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh my God! How just, did I overlook that one? Yeah. And I, all I ever saw was I, the opening credits. Because I was little. Parents were away. My two older cousins, which were like four and five years older, they were watching me, my sister, and my other cousin. And my sister and cousin, they were outside playing. The two girl cousins that were watching us were watching scary movies. And I was just old enough, I guess, that I was allowed to watch it with them. Really? And in the very beginning of the movie, it's just like... You see camera flashes, yeah. and the flashes get longer, and it's his bodies. Yeah, that's all, that's all it took. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and I had crazy nightmares the rest of the, I don't know, probably for about a week. We went and saw the remake with Jessica Biel when it came I fell out. Asleep. It, uh, it was okay, <laughs> but um, I think I saw that one, actually, before I went back and watched the original one, like, 
I had seen it when I was a lot younger, but like you, you know, you get so far into it, you're like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> so I went back and watched it through, and um, even as an adult, it's creepy it? as crap. Yeah, there's just this whole scene where they're all sitting at the dinner table, and they bring Grandpa downstairs in his chair, and it's just slumped over guy who barely looks like he's alive, and they hold this girl's head over a, like a like a water basin, and they give him a rock. They're like, bash your head, Grandpa, and he's just too old, and can't hardly do it and it's just a such a disturbing scream uh scene because she's just screaming her head off crying and it it, it feels real like yeah. it's hard to explain it's yeah it definitely messes with i you. think i couldn't watch it so i well, i grabbed a comic i think or something like that and just laid there and, <laughs> and listened to it and that was even listening to it was enough that yeah yeah oh man there's another movie so I never went back say. to it <laughs> um there's another movie I think I've talked to you about this movie before. Uh, have you ever seen The Fourth Kind? No. <laughs> okay. Now, this movie came out maybe like 2005, something like that. I, I remember... Yeah, I remember that when that came out. It was, it, there was someone famous in it, right? Uh, yeah, she, uh, she was, she's the lead from the Resident Evil movies. Uh, I don't oh, Mia Jovovich. That's yes, right. yeah. her. Yeah, her. And um, the movie is supposed to... It's about a... A psychiatrist who moves to Alaska, like this secluded little town in Alaska where all these people are reporting the same things, you know, symptoms of insomniac. They see the same owl-looking thing that stares through the window at them at night. And uh, she goes to investigate it, and all kinds of stuff happens afterwards. When the movie starts, what's her name again? Mia Jovovich. Yes. She walks up to the screen. The movie hasn't even officially started yet. She introduces herself as herself. And says what you're about to see is, you know, the case file of so-and-so. I don't remember the woman's name. But uh, stress, stresses to you that this is real. At least to my knowledge. I mean, I, I was sold. I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be some real <laughs> stuff. famous. How could she be lying? Yeah, famous people don't lie. I mean, come on. <laughs> but uh, so throughout the whole movie, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat because... They would play a scene where somebody would become either possessed or they made it seem like they were they the body them itself became like a transmitter for an alien being or something. And on one side of the screen they'd have the Hollywood reenactment of it, and on the left side of the screen was the supposed real footage of it mm. happening. And my God, when you are sold on it being real and you're seeing that shit in the theater, it scared the fuck out of me. It really did. I, and I went on for days about it, like, going, I can't believe this. there's this kind of crap going on for real. And then we started looking online, like, yeah, it, it wasn't real. It was a Blair Witch type yeah. thing. Yeah. But see, with Blair Witch, no one ever came forward and said, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. This is real. It was just kind of assumed. You had never seen that real, uh, like, candid film documentary kind yeah. of thing before. So. But, um, man, the Blair Witch, that was another one. I forgot about <laughs> I was that one. I creeped out after I came out of the theater for that one. Yeah, that was a creepy movie. Did you ever see the sequel? No. That one was horrible. It was, I, I think after the big hoopla and everyone, it came out that it was fake and stuff. Yeah. Uh, when the second one came out, I'm like, why? It's Right. The novelty's gone. Funny story here. Before I was with Brooke, we worked together at a pizza shop. And uh, me, my buddy also worked there with me. But And before we were together... Uh, we used to be at each other's throats quite a bit. When this movie came out, she had gone to see it by herself and came into work saying, oh my God, it was so horrible. I couldn't take it. I couldn't sleep at all last night. It was awful. <laughs> and so uh, my buddy, I 
I stopped him from doing it just because it was crossing the line of cruel, but she was so bothered by the movie. He wanted to go out there while she slept. And you remember how the thing was, like, they started noticing little piles, piles of rocks. rocks. Yep. He wanted to go out there and put piles of rocks all around <laughs> the back porch and hang those little twig dolls yeah. in the tree, which I, I ended up talking him out of because it would have it would have scarred her. To this day, she talks about the Blair Witch. <laughs> it, it made a mark. That <laughs> last that? scene, though, when he's standing in the corner. And then all of a sudden the camera just gets knocked oh. out. Yeah. Yep. I'm you gonna just have to hear watch the kids in the background, just the whispering. And Josh! Yeah. <laughs> Man, when they found his tongue wrapped in that piece of flannel. Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> Creepy crap. Do you ever see The Thing, the original one? No, I haven't. Kurt, Kurt Russell? Yeah, I believe Kurt Russell's in that one. I've never seen any of the classics. Uh, some of them. Like old, like Universal Frankenstein and Dracula, that kind of stuff mm, I, I've yeah. seen. But... Uh, I've never seen The Shining. That is not... The, the old lady in the shower is the scariest part of that whole movie. Don't tell me anymore. That's No, that's, okay. I won't tell any more of it. <laughs> I mean, it's I pretty much know how it plays out through all the Simpsons spoofs and uh, uh, yeah. over the years. You know, not just Simpsons, but ever, many people have spoofed it. But um, I, I've told myself I want to watch that this Halloween season. I watch it, Missy, because she, she hates scary movies. And she was like, oh, the scariest movie I watched was The Shining. we got to watch it. So I sat there for the whole hour and a half, I think it was, and it was over, and I was just like... That was it? Okay. <laughs> you didn't think that was scary? I'm like, no, it's not scary. It was what, in the 70s? Uh, you Late something 70s? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, no, that one part just gave me the creeps. Uh, most of it, I wasn't scared, but... What about uh, Paranormal Activity? Have you ever seen those? I watched it on TV. I caught the first one. I watched, oh, maybe... The second, well, yeah, the last third, I think. Hmm. And I was creeped out by it, especially at the end when she comes up the stairs and jumps at the camera at the end. Yeah, where she like kind of hovers over his body and then uh, leaps at the camera. That was crazy. That was the time lapse, and she was standing there for like four hours. Just That was the alternate ending. Oh, was it? There were two different endings. Yeah, there was, in the movie theater, it was, she just came up the stairs, at least the version I saw. Or no, she didn't even come up the stairs. You saw her go down, heard a like a scuffle. Yeah. Then his body just comes flying in the door. Oh yeah, like she threw him through yeah. his body. Yeah. Then she comes in, hovers over him, and then comes at the camera. Right. Then the other, like the un- the cut version or the one that didn't make it in theaters, was she goes downstairs. You hear the same scuffle, but then she just walks back upstairs and either sits on the floor or stands in the corner. And it time lapses for like four days, and then it stops. It like cuts back to real time. She's still standing there, and you hear people beating on the front door. You hear downstairs cops come in and find the dead body. You hear him coming up the stairs, and soon as the door opens, like after standing perfectly still for four days, she turns with that knife in her hand and says, oh, "What's happening? I don't know what's going on." And they gun her down. Oh no, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was the the first one is what I saw. Yeah. But when she he was sleeping and she got up out of bed and then stands over there and just stares at him for it was like four oh, hours. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And it was funny when I, when I was watching that because Misty was on one of her stints where she reads a whole graphic novel. Well, not graphic novel, but novel series from mm-hmm. one of her favorite authors. It's like 500 page books. She'll read like the whole series. But I'm sitting there watching the movie and she's sitting on the couch watching it. And she hates scary movies. Right. That movie was over. The second one came on. I'm like, all right, we'll watch that one. 
She couldn't sleep for a week. Is that right? Yeah, cause she's like, wow, you, cause you watch that stupid movie. I'm like, you were reading your book. Well, I had to look up every once in a while, and I'm like, you didn't have to. <laughs> you could have gone to the other room. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. When I saw that first one in the theater, I it kind of messed with me for a few nights there. Not that I couldn't sleep, but after Brooke went to bed and the house was dark and quiet, every little creak, you're like, what the hell was that? You know. <laughs> well, shoot, even any kind of shadow that would go on the wall. Oh watching. yeah. Good God. Absolutely. <laughs> but just like hearing the bangs and the clatter and the stuff in the theater was so much more intense than watching it on the television. I bet. Because so, you get a, the whole all the way around you. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, like in, like like Saul, you know, since the first one was such a hit, now they're dragging them the hell out. Oh, yeah. And they're losing their uh, buoyancy. But those first couple are really, really good. First one was good. The second one was pretty good. And after that, I, I didn't watch anymore because... The third one was all right. I think there were a few moments in that I was like, what? Come on. That's stupid. But, uh, like, I think there was, like, an Xbox Connect that was turned on, like, Dot Matrix kind of... Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It, like, uh, gave a layout of the room, and you could see someone standing there that wasn't really there in the dots. <laughs> but... Um, I'll, I'll definitely see this new one. Probably not in theaters, but I'll wait for it to come out. I didn't know there was a new one coming. Yeah, the, uh, the Lost, the Ghost Dimension, Paranormal Activity, the Ghost Dimension, oh, I think. Oh, I know. I saw the preview. After I watched the second one, I saw the previews for the third one. And I was there was no way I was going to go see that because it was about, like, in Southern California and Mexican gangsters. And somehow the the monster was following them. Maybe it was the fourth one. And what? Paranormal Activity. Mexican gangsters. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm done with this series. I think I must have missed a chapter in that. It might have been. Maybe it was the fourth one. I th- I thought this was the fourth one. Are there four out already? I don't know. It, it could have been the third one. I don't remember. Hmm. I don't remember Mexican gangsters. Maybe I'm. It's yeah. been a while though. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I feel like Mexican gangsters would have been a prominent uh, memory. No, but this one. Uh, just looks like maybe uh, it's I'm sure it's tied into the story with all the other ones because all the other ones are tied together but uh there'd be a bite mark on them and, yeah. yeah well I mean it all the the demon possession and all that stuff is kind of running through the family mm-hmm. is what you're finding but uh in this new one it looks like someone new moves into this house and finds all this footage in the basement and starts watching it but the creepiest thing was like they're watching the video of that little girl standing there and while they're watching, like in real life, the dude's little girl sneezes. And then the little girl in the video is like, bless you. <laughs> and he's like, what the heck is that? You know? <laughs> I'm hooked. I was so worried real about the dog in. in the second one. Oh, yeah. And he ended up getting killed, didn't he? No, I, I don't think they ended up killing him. I know something happened to him. They took him to the vet, and then that was really all you ever saw. But I think they brought him home okay. At the they end, just, when she like went and did her final killing spree, didn't that dog like run off and then like yelp and then just disappear? And then she came in and snapped the dude's neck watching TV. Something like that. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know if it really did die. I because mm. I remember looking into that. I was like, that dog die. <laughs> I don't care about that asshole guy. <laughs> what about the dog? Lots of good ones out there, and I'm sure uh, we'll have to probably we'll, we'll touch back on a uh, horror movie in the retro roundtable again. Oh yeah, we've just begun to scratch the surface. I gotta watch it Friday the Thirteenth. So I've never seen any of them. What? Yeah. What? I've seen Jason X. Oh no 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 I know I know no 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 <laughs> you I know that that one doesn't count at all. The first one is uh, to this day got to be the best. 
But the, that's the thing. Jason Voorhees isn't even the killer in that right. one. But uh, still, watch the first one. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Who else was in that one? I thought there was another big name in that movie. I want to say Jamie Lee Curtis, but that was Halloween, I believe she was. Yeah, that was yeah. Halloween. Actually, it was the Fritz the Night Owl thing was where I watched oh. it again. Yeah, you need to watch that movie. It's great. Definitely. Don't watch the... I mean, you can watch the newer one if you want, but you need to watch that one. Freddy versus Jason. Flash your bats. <laughs> Another stinker. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I guess let's just move right into talking about our Halloween-themed comics. Uh, you or me first? I'll go first. All right. Another uh, gem from Comic Bento from Dynamite Comics, Vampirella. They just keep delivering, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, written by Nancy Collins and artist by Patrick Birkencotter. So, basically, Vampirella is a vampire. Didn't go into much backstory for her, um, other than uh, she works for, it's like the Vatican. She's pretty much like the BRPD from Hellboy. Okay. The Vatican, something crazy goes on. They're like, boop, 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 Vampirella, we need your help. Oh, I see. And she goes okay. and finds a paranormal Agent whatever. from another world. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's going on with her. Uh, the book opens up. There's a mom. She's putting her kid to bed. Tomorrow's the kid's birthday. And the girl asks, oh, mom, is dad going to come to the party? She's like, oh, I don't think so. Uh, the, the mom hears a scuffle upstairs. She comes upstairs. I told you, you know, you need to go to bed. No playing after bedtime. Opens up the door. The window's busted open. The little girl's gone on the wall. Is written in blood. We've got her. So, all of a sudden, Vatican's calling up Vampirella. Oh, we need help. So, she goes to the house. Turns out the lady's husband ended up... You know, losing his job, I think. Ended up going to a library, found this book of this occult book, started reading it constantly, ended up going kind of nutty, thinking he was the guy that wrote the book, which was a head of occult back in the day. But she thinks it's him that stole the girl. Vampirella ends up finding where the cult's meeting up because they're going to sacrifice the girl to bring back the big bad guy back. Turns out it was a big trap. Oh, they catch Vampirella, Brander. Touch her a little bit. <laughs> She's hot. She is that hot. Was a lot to, it was hard to stop staring while I'm trying to read the book. <laughs> they end up giving her a brand that after so long, she's going to become the Queen of Shadows. The Queen of Shadows is the wife, sister of the Lord of Chaos. Mm. And they're going to get together and make the, the world evil, pretty much. Someone's got to, I suppose. And after that happens, the Vatican finds out she's damaged goods. They're out to kill her now. And then all of a sudden, I don't, I'm not sure if it's Dracula, but another regular vampire comes over and they team up. And she, he says that she has to go find, kill all these other vampires to get their power to be able to kill the Queen of Shadows. That's pretty neat. Heck of a story, huh? Yep. I like that cover. <laughs> There's a lot of nice pinups in the back, too. I was just going to say, she looks like a pinup girl. <laughs> awesome. That's funny. She'd be in a cloak, and then all of a sudden, like when shit goes down, all of a sudden the cloak's off, and then she's just wearing that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just waiting for stuff to go down, yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> When's the next thing going to happen? All right. Well, what I brought this week is a book I've had for some time. I, I probably had this close to 10 years. It's in good condition for 10 years old. Well, it's been sitting in a box with all my other Simpsons mm. stuff, but when I moved, it came out, and I was like, I forgot about this thing. And what it is, it's a, uh, it's a graphic novel, I guess. It's a great big book of Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror, Spine-Tingling Spooktacular. And mm. what it is is pretty much just a comic version of uh, Treehouse of Horror. 
It's a pretty darn thick book, and there's a lot of different things in here. If any of the listeners have ever read any of the Simpsons comics on the Bongo label, it's about the same uh, same style writing, I guess. It's it's great. It's a lot of fun. A lot of the same humor from the show. But uh, just a couple of the stories in here. One, the Simpsons find themselves at a carnival, and there's a uh, like a carny there who's covered head to toe in tattoos, and they're looking at him, pointing at him, and they're saying, hey, don't look at my tattoos too long. These tattoos are cursed. If you stare too long, they'll pull you in. You'll get wrapped up in the story. It'll consume you. So they're like, oh, no, it won't. You know, let's, let's, let's take a look at it. This so, guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, all these, they just stare at their tat, the dude's tattoos, and all these stories start coming uh, to life. Like, there's one called The Beast with Four Fingers, which is just pretty much a hand <laughs> that's causing <laughs> chaos around Springfield. Uh, what else was there? So that's like the main story, and then there's a bunch of the set, like each one of them's story from looking at the tattoos. Yeah, like this, this first comic I'm talking here in this book mm-hmm. could have been an episode of Treehouse of Horror all in itself. Oh, really? Exclude the whole book, yeah. I think so. And it's laid out more like a classic episode where there is like a backstory going where the three, you know, horror stories kind of pop up within rather than just kind of, I don't know, that one that played the other night wasn't wasn't that great. I didn't make it through. I fell asleep. Yeah, it was just kind of blah, but whatever. We still have a lot of good ones to go back to and watch. Uh, but yeah, another one is like uh, Bart sees a zombie, he stares at it too much, and it's called The Reluctant Corpse, and pretty much... What it was was uh, Patty and Selma, uh, Guy Patty and Selma were crushing on, and they chased after him to the point of death, and they brought him back to keep chasing after him. <laughs> uh, what else we got in here? Oh, there's one where they see a tattoo of Groundskeeper Willie with a uh, basket on his shoulder. It's called Basket Brawl. Every day they see him walk past with a, him carrying a basket on his uh, right shoulder or left shoulder. I don't remember which shoulder it was. It's irrelevant. But they're convinced that the reason he's always carrying that basket there is because he's hiding a second head in it. <laughs> so the next day when he comes by holding it on the other shoulder, instead of thinking their theory debunked, they're like, okay, well, he's just left the right head out now, and now the other head's in the basket. <laughs> to the same head. Right. So they devise they're going to get an uh, axe and chop it off. Lo and behold, he didn't have two heads. It turned out Skinner had two heads. <laughs> nice little twist there at the end. Um, another one in here was called uh, Tenenbaum, Christmas Tree from Another World. And it's the Simpsons out to find their uh, Christmas tree. And, well, the Sim- Homer wanted to get a plastic tree, just to be done with it. But Lisa insisted that they get a live tree. That way they can plant it after Christmas. I was going to say, that's kind of funny that Lisa would want to go cut down the tree. but No, she wants to keep it live. Ah. So they go out in the woods, she picks one out, and they bring it home. Well, as they're decorating it and stuff, she starts to realize, I've never seen this tree anywhere before, and the tree comes to life. The tree itself (laughs) is actually an alien that uh, plans on world domination and making humans into slaves. And uh, no matter what she does, no one will believe her, and, you know, She's thinking, man, I just need to go chop it up. But since she's such a nature lover, you know, an earth child or whatever you call mm-hmm. it, she can't bring herself to do it. And just by accident, Homer comes walking through with a bucket of water to water the tree, trips on the extension cord, <laughs> dumps the water on the outlet, and fries that guy. Oh. So, uh, but then it shows a spaceship coming to Earth that has a bunch of chocolate bunnies and uh, little chicks on it, like they're the next ones to take over Earth. <laughs> Just a few examples of the fun uh, stories here. I love The Simpsons, so. I wonder how hard that's to find. I don't know. 
there's a big 20% off sticker on it, so I can't imagine it's <laughs> too, big seller. too desired after, right? Yeah. They were trying to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I had fun with it. That's all that matters. So that's going to do it for Talking Comics this week. So let's just turn over to our Halloween interviews. All right, our first guest today joining us is writer Sarah Hollis uh, here to talk about the Kickstarter going for 100 Tears, the comic. Thanks so much for being with us, Sarah. Not a problem. It's great to be here. I'm so glad that you guys reached out to us uh, when you did. I mean, though this is all very last minute, this is the perfect project, I think, to be uh, promoting for our Halloween episode. At least from the looks of your Kickstarter video, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's supposed to be a pretty uh, slasherific comic, um, which that's pretty hard to do in comics. But we're going to try our best to make it work, and I think it's going to think it's going to really blow some people's minds. Well, the artwork we've seen so far uh, looks amazing in it, um, but yeah, we haven't had a chance to look at much more of it. I had never even heard of this movie. Can you tell us a little bit about the movie? Yeah, the movie was actually written by uh, Marcus Koch and Joe Davison. Uh, Marcus Koch directed the film and Joe Davison starred in it. Um, You can kind of find it on YouTube sometimes. Um, It's an independent film that actually is a really big cult classic. Um, It's got a really large cult following, which, you know, when we first heard of it, we didn't realize how big it was. And then all of a sudden we started seeing people have that clown tattooed on their legs and their arms. And, and uh, when we started talking to Marcus and Joe, they were like, you know, within a year of this comic coming out, you guys are going to have your art tattooed on people. You know that, right? And it was like, well, that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. It's just been, it's been a great experience working with them. Uh, you know, I mean, the movie came out in 2007 and there are still hundreds of people who talk about it every day on Facebook and Twitter all over the place. So it's, it's going to be really interesting interacting with, uh, with those fans that they have already had for so many years. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait to check this movie out. So what made you decide you guys wanted to make a comic? Well, um, we've actually made a few comics in the past. We, um, own our own publishing company, uh, master block comics. And one day Brian was, he, I don't remember exactly what he was doing. He said he was browsing the internet and he came across this movie and he watched it and then he forced me to watch it. And I'm not really a big like horror fan. I've kind of gotten more into, into like the thriller side of the horror, but definitely not, um, slasher movies. And this one, I just could not stop watching. It was, uh, it was a little corny, but on a good, good kind of level. Um, I know exactly what you mean. Like child's play. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just like, okay, I can get into this. And, um, I just couldn't stop watching it. I watched the whole thing. And then I was like, can we watch it again? He goes, what do you think about making a a comic about this? I was like, that sounds awesome. He goes, I already talked to the, to the writers and they said it was cool. I was like, sweet. Can I help? Wow. just ended up like came up really fast. Um, I think we started working on it about four months ago. Um, and so we're really kind of pushing it out there. And then we got our, um, our artist from one of our other comics to draw it. And when he read our script, he was like, please, please, can I draw this? And the artist is St. Yak, uh, from Russia. And he's like, so into the project and he really does that gritty line work that kind of brings it all together. So we were really excited to have the whole team come together for it. So the comic itself, is it a just a retelling of the story, just done a little differently, or is it a continuation? It's 
we're adapting the film directly. So we're not continuing the story. We're not going backward in time, any of that. We're adapting the film uh, to stay true to those fans. But what we're trying to do is the film that they did, it was their first film. So they had a really low budget. They really couldn't do up a lot of the effects that they wanted to do. But with comics, you really don't have that limitation. And so what we're doing is we're making it that really horror, slasher, bloody, all those special effects that they couldn't do a lot of, mm-hmm. we're going to really amplify those and try to make that what the fans have been asking for for many, many years is to have that that true, like, as much money as you can put into a movie slasher film. And so we're going to do that through comic instead of actually reproducing the film. Very cool. So kind of like a George Lucas type thing, but actually making it better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No crappy CGI overlays on this one. <laughs> Very cool. Well, it looks like your your Kickstarter, which is going to, what, November 16th, looks like you guys are off to a pretty good start. What kind of rewards are you offering to uh, supporters? Um, we're offering pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, we have, of course, the PDF and the comic. Um with every backer reward, you get a desktop, and I don't know if you're on there right now. There's that picture of the eyes with the hands coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually the desktop that you'll get. Ooh, boy. And, um, yeah, I know. That's actually my desktop right now because it's, <laughs> it's just creepy just looking at it. Um, Very much so, yes. But that's the desktop that you'll get. And then the... Um, the comic itself has a kind of a painted cover of a skull that's looked like it's been painted up like a clown. Um, so that's going to be the comic that you get. And then there's a t-shirt that our graphics team put together, which is amazing. I love it. Um, it's just Gertie, the clown, his face, and then it says 100 tears and it's got like a blood splatter behind it. Oh, nice. Very cool, very simple, and I think it's something that the fans will really enjoy because the 100 Tears t-shirt for the movie actually is just Gertie the Clown with blood splatter behind it and says 100 Tears at the bottom. So it's pretty much the same thing except done in the style of the comic. Um, Very nice. And then we also have a backer reward for those who have not seen the film that comes with the DVD and the book. So you can order the DVD and the book together. We have some that uh, the actor who played Gertie the Clown actually is going to sign the comic for us. He's going to sign a few copies. Let's see, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. We've got original art. um, We've got a canvas print, all sorts of things. And then we've got add-ons of, like, buttons and stickers and all of that good stuff that you could possibly want. So got a little bit of everything in there. That sounds awesome. You you had me at T-shirt. I tell you, you can buy me over with on anything with a T-shirt. I don't know why. It's it's my weakness. Well, you know, you got to wear clothes. So you, you do. Why not have uh, clowns on them, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> How thick of a book is it going to be? Um, well, the first issue is going to be twenty-two. What we're hoping to do is that this Kickstarter will pay for the whole graphic novel, which is going to be one hundred and thirty-two pages. So that's six twenty-two page issues all put into one book. Oh, nice! So you're going to do the whole movie through different issues. That's cool. Yes, we're hoping to get it. Like I said, we're hoping to get the whole graphic novel in one go. And if we can't, well, we'll do as much as we can with this Kickstarter. And then if we have to, we can just produce the rest on our own. Well, it doesn't sound like you're going to have any trouble, especially if this uh, movie has quite a uh, cult following. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had a lot of people who, when they heard about the comic, they messaged us and they said, let me know when it goes up because I have been waiting for this 
since the movie came out. I have been asking for basically a better version of the movie in some form that I could put my hands on and actually enjoy in through a reading kind of experience. And I don't know if they meant like a novel or whatever, but you know, whatever you can do to make your favorite movies more memorable, right, wouldn't you right. do that? So Absolutely. I mean, there were a lot of people who were very excited about this. Um, within minutes of posting the Kickstarter, one person came in and was like, I want a page of Gertie and bought an original art from the book. And was like, I want a page that has this clown in it, the most epic page you have. Fine, okay, you can have it. <laughs> no problem here. A bunch of people who are very excited. There are some people who are waiting to see if we unlock any more levels, you know. Um, there's so much going on. We have a giveaway that's starting out when we hit $1,500 pledge. It's going to be pretty epic. That's awesome. You know, this is such a natural move to put a comic book with a movie. When mm -hmm. I was growing up, like when the Batman movies would come out, I think you maybe you said you had one too, or when the Turtle movies would come out or something, I always had to go get the comic version of it yeah. too. And I still have a lot of those things. Well, it's like it's like with Marvel right now where all these people are coming in from the Marvel movies and they're going out and buying Marvel comics to see what's going on beforehand. It's the same kind of... You know, they go hand in hand. You just can't have one without the other. Right. Absolutely. Well, the comic this is keeps it going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. This is exciting. I can't not wait to see this movie and then read the comic. I, yeah. I got to see the movie first, though. I'm taking it. I think I know what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good film. Um, there are some parts where it's just like that was a bit too much for me because I cannot handle the gore and stuff. But for the most part, I mean, the story was good. It's it's unique. I mean, you think about clowns and you think about, you know, like it and things like that. This is not really the same thing. So it's very, very different, despite being toward the same line. And this is more of like a like a dark comedy, right? Yes, it is. It's there are some parts that are just hilarious and that you I mean, comic relief, you know, sure. and and uh, there, there are some parts that are not so comedic, that are very dark. And um, actually, you know, for being a 2007 film, it's got a lot of things in it that are actually being talked about in today's society. I mean, the whole reason that Gertie basically snaps and goes psychotic is because he's accused of rape. And wow. so, I mean, he was this carnival clown and he was in love. And then the strong man came along and was like, oh, you raped the girl that you're in love with. And so everyone believed the strong man over him. And so all of a sudden, you know, he goes crazy and starts killing people. Oh, so, see this. yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of social commentary despite being a common comedy. Now this Kickstarter is going until November 16th. So we're going to throw a uh, link on our website and help uh, mm -hmm. direct people over that way. Do you guys have a, uh, you guys have a Twitter post or a handle, right? We do. Um, our Twitter is MP comics. And then we also have a Facebook page that's master plot comics. Awesome. I'm excited. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be with us, Sarah. And uh, good luck with uh, the Kickstarter, though. I don't think you're going to need much luck. No. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. So that was Sarah Hollis again, uh, one of the writers for 100 Tears, the comic that's running on Kickstarter till November 16th. If you're hearing this, then there should be a link on our website or you can check our Twitter. Uh, we'll definitely have a link over there that way. All right. And our next guest for our Halloween episode is professional makeup artist Benjamin Peter from uh, Peter Pumpkinhead Studios and uh, probably best known from season eight of Face Off. 
Boy, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Man. He was, yeah. Yeah. So we have to get him back on the show sometime. But uh, but until then, here's our interview with Ben Peter. Ben, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Yeah, no problem. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? Good, good. So uh, I got to ask, uh, are you a big fan of Halloween, being a professional makeup artist, seeing some <laughs> of the uh, creatures you've made? You've got you've to love Halloween. Yeah, Halloween's a great time of the year. You know, you get to see people that, uh, you know, they come up with cool, creative ideas for costumes, and then you see some people that uh, kind of don't do as well. So, <laughs> so it's kind of fun either way. Right. Like sexy ones. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you get busy this time of year? Yeah, I'm actually working for a uh, haunted hayride right now in Springboro. It's called the uh, Springboro Haunted Hayride and Black Bog. They brought me on to uh, pretty much redesign their hayride portion and then um, a couple of characters for their Black Bog area. So it's uh, been keeping me busy since the show. I can imagine. Now, how long is that going for? Just till Halloween? Yeah, this is our uh, last weekend coming up. Man, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't even know where Springboro is from us here. <laughs> it's uh, just south of Dayton. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit, it's a ways for us, but... South of Columbus, I get lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Snowman's land down there. <laughs> In doing my research, I actually read that you uh, got started doing this by carving pumpkins. Is that right? Yeah, so a couple years ago... Um, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps in 2009 and uh, just been kind of been doing odd jobs and stuff, you know, changing tires and, you know, changing oil and stuff. Right. And uh, I came home one night and I was watching the Food Network channel and they had like uh, these Halloween wars kind of show or whatever going on. Right. And uh, there was a guy named Ray Villafane um, and he was carving these pumpkins and they were just wicked. And uh I was thinking, well, you know, it can't be that hard to do. You know, if this guy can do it, you know, I think I can probably do it too. Right. And uh, um, I ended up contacting him on Facebook and tried to get some information about how to how to pick special pumpkins and the weight of them and stuff like that. And he actually gave me a lot of good information. I went and bought a couple pumpkins and just started trying it on my own. It's so funny you brought him up. I, the very next question I was going to ask is if you were a uh, fan of Ray uh, Villafane. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy because uh, you know I saw him on the show. I instantaneously tried to find him on Facebook, and uh, luckily he was right there. And he was he was, he was just started getting into it. He did a Predator, I think, the year before, two years before. Oh, I saw that. And uh, yeah, well, luckily he used to be a uh, an art teacher, and uh, he also was a big fan of the special effects and stuff. And uh, somehow he got a Predator mask, um, and it's in his little studio art area downstairs, I guess. Well, he moved since then. He used to live in Michigan, I think. But uh, anyway, so he had, like, an actual Predator mask to sculpt from and, like, look at and study. So that's, you know, he did a really good job on that pumpkin. And, uh, but like, all the stuff that I was doing, I was just trying to find pictures online and try to, like, duplicate stuff and, like... It's a completely different world now that I look at it. Right. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, because you only have, what, like a inch of the outer exterior of the pumpkin, yeah. pumpkin to work with. I mean, past that, you're just into the guts. I'm looking well, at that's, pictures right now. Good God. They're incredible. That's the thing that he was uh, talking to me about was um, when you go and find a pumpkin, you need to see, like, how they lay on the ground and how they grew 
and like the weight of them. If you go and pick up a pumpkin that looks really big, but it's super light, that means that wall's really thin. But if it's like a medium-sized pumpkin, but feels super, super heavy, then that's how you know that that wall's really thick, and then you can uh, carve into that wall a lot easier. There you go, listeners. Some pumpkin uh, carving tips. (laughs) Pumpkin picking tips, uh, rather. Very cool. So do you, this time of year, do you uh, get back into doing the pumpkins at all? Well, uh, my brother has got a little boy and a little girl, um, and... Since I started doing it a couple of years ago, every year they want me to carve a pumpkin for them, each each of them, so that uh, they can take it into their school and do like a little show and tell. So oh, so they can uh, be big on campus now. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, man. So I mean, with all the other stuff, you kind of you get caught up doing other stuff. You know, you can't sit down. I used to sit down and carve pumpkins for six hours at a time at least. Oh wow! So yeah, now I've got two big dogs and. You know, got to feed them, let them out, and then they'd be eating stuff. And you know, it's, like, it's just hard to get away sometimes. Oh, I, I can relate. We both can, I think. So how do you then go from carving pumpkins into uh, ending up on face-off? <laughs> Very rarely. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I wanted to learn more about, like, facial structure and sculpting and anatomy and stuff. And so... Instead of going to, like, a regular community college and taking, like, figurative sculpting and figure drawing and stuff, um, I had the uh, GI Bill from the military, and uh, I went out to California to a school called Cinema Makeup School, and uh, I was really just going to learn about, like, the sculpting and thinking, like, you know, I'm going to learn how to sculpt monster faces and stuff, but they took me, like, I did the master's program because that's what you had to do to use your GI Bill. Right. And uh, they took me all the way from beauty makeup to, like, character design, how to, like, apply a bald cap, facial hair, just, like, out of the kit, you know, kind of wounds, like, bruises and blood splatters and stuff. Right. And then, like, and then they take you into um, your, like, special effects class where you do, like, the sculpting of the prosthetics and how to make the molds and stuff. And having an artistic background, like a fine arts background, that's where I come from. It was easier for me to pick up on, like, the artistic side of things. But then when it comes to, like, trying to figure out, like, you know, character design and, like, what a troll is and stuff like that, like, that was harder for me. And so when I graduated that school, um, I contacted the education director and was like, hey, I'm thinking about trying out for the show. Do you have any advice? Because he's had a bunch of students that have... uh, going on that show like Wayne Anderson and some of those guys oh really yeah that's all from that school um and actually I, I was talking to Wayne while I was at the school and he I guess had just competed on face off and was back like hanging out at the school and that's when he started working on his brother's the big demon or whatever he calls it with the big wings he was working on that back then I was helping him. I was helping him do his uh, his brother's body cast. Like I was just mixing stuff and handing it to him. You know, like just doing the grunt work. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was really doing. Like climbing this that guy ladder. seemed like he knew what he was doing. So I was just like, "You need help?" He's like, "Yeah, here, mix this stuff." I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> so like, I was just trying to help out. Sure. But uh, yeah. So I contact you know the education director. His name's Lee Joiner. Super nice guy. Really great artist. He's like, "Oh well, you might want to start studying like." what trolls are and what, you know, fairies are and what they look like and where they come from and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. 
and I started looking at some of it, but like I didn't do as much research as I probably should have. And so when I tried out for face off, like just trying out was cool because, you know, you do your you do your video and you send it in with your, you know, resume and all this stuff. Right. Well, and then they call you up and bring you out to California for a week. You have to do a two hour makeup live in front of someone. And it's usually on yourself. And so like you're doing this for two hours and like some people, they wow. put it on real fast and they're like, all right, I'm done. And they go out and they meet with somebody, you know, and they take pictures and stuff. Well, and then you have to go and meet with the actual producers after that. And like, well, after you take the makeup off, it could be like a day later or something. But uh, you go and meet with the producers. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys ever had to meet with producers like that, <laughs> but some of them will just, just stare at you and just look at you while you're talking. And then other ones will be like, oh, that's really, like, they're really nice. Oh, that's really, you know, a right. great thing to do, blah, blah, blah. And then some were just like, very interesting. All right. And you're like, who are these guys? What am I, what am I doing right here? Like, <laughs> they don't hide their emotions. Like, I did, you know, I did five years in the Marine Corps, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm sitting in front of these people, and they're talking to me. I'm like, okay, great. Wow. But somehow, you know, they picked me. I don't know how or why, but. Yeah, evidently they liked what I had to what I was showing them. Well, yeah, man. I mean, uh, I mean that's why you got some good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, you watched. uh, I I saw some of that season, but you watched it religiously. I I didn't finish the season. I pretty much watched until Ben got eliminated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done with this one. He's not on anymore. (laughs) And yeah, you made it uh, pretty close to the end, right? Yeah, I was top five. There was uh, there's two more people, and then it was the final three. So I mean, I was right there. And that was a that was a unique season of Face Off, right? They were yeah, they had the uh, mentors that they yeah, they brought back the mentors. So do you feel uh, like that was beneficial to you, or what? Do you would have you preferred to have just a traditional normal season of Face Off? For for my own opinion, I think that it was extremely beneficial, Um, and I think a lot of the fans might have had a hard time with it because they might have thought that you know we were getting inside information or you know whatever it was to compete but to have that other person you know the and I had Anthony as my coach which was extremely awesome because he has his own school up in California up in uh, Chicago actually Cozart Effects Studios and he's worked with like Doug Jones recently and like a bunch of other people but I uh, him being my coach, like for the troll challenge, I keep coming back to that. But that's an easy one. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. So uh, we sat there and we were talking to him and he's like, well, what do you think of a troll? And I'm like, well, you know, I, when I think of a troll, I think of like the little trolls from frozen that like roll up in the little stones, you know, right. Or like the little troll doll with the hair used to, you know, blow on and nineties of the troll invasion. Yeah. Or you go through and like shave it into a mohawk and stuff. <laughs> and so like, you know, that's what I thought of as a troll. Right. And so like, as we were sitting there talking about it, like I was kind of sketching he was kind of sketching and like we put our ideas together and I was like, that's what I think of a troll. And he came up with this like little crazy like side profile picture. And uh and that Anthony Kozar, he is a phenomenal artist. And just to sit there and watch him sketch, you should just put like a GoPro over his head and just watch him throughout the day when he's sketching and working. Like his work is phenomenal and he does it like so easily. It's crazy. Yeah, don't, um, don't you hate people like that yeah. sometimes? It looks so <laughs> <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> well, and then people and then people say that about me sometimes, like with my sculpting, and I'm like, 
you don't understand like there's so much more that i need to learn in order to like progress to that next level of sculpting sure but it's like having the time to do it like the people that are really really good at it are the people that work somewhere and they sculpt all day long and you know they've they you know they've studied like like the caravaggios of their day you know they used to you know apprentice under somebody and they would you know help you know they would actually start their paintings for them and then the person would come in and finish them and then they would sign their name at the end you know and that's what the apprenticeship was and then you know for your masterpiece you know back in the day you would have to do this big elaborate piece to show that you are you know now a master at your craft you know sculptures or whatever it was and so anthony's like right there but you know there's other people like that that like Steve Wang, you know what I mean? Somebody comes up to me and says, oh, hey, you know, Steve did this. You're like, yeah, I can I can tell that. Like, his work is phenomenal, right. you know? So I've got a lot of ways to, to, to progress and mature, but I think that's what makes a good artist, too, is knowing that, you know, there's still room to grow. Yeah, and always wanting to continue, you know, getting knowledge. Right. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Man, some of the stuff you've done, I mean, not only on the show, I've, I've seen on your Facebook page, it looks like you were doing a, the head sculpt of a, maybe a black lab or something. Oh, that was my pit bull. Your pit bull. Okay, yeah. that was freaking incredible. Cause, I mean, there were like uh, progressional stages, like uh, early on. Up, I don't know if you're finished with it yet, but my God, it looks real. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I, uh, I did a mold of it and then um, tried to rotocast it and... For some reason, the rotocast isn't working right, so I've kind of just put it off to the side. I've got a little, uh, a little resin copy of it, um, but it's actually it's about life size compared to his head. Uh, his name's oh. Thor, and then we got his son. <laughs> yeah, we got his brother that is uh, from the next litter apart, and they look almost identical. But his his brother's name's Loki. There you go. Yeah. Always fighting. <laughs> They do play quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So the, the troll you were speaking of earlier ended up being the, uh, what was it, the Python Bridge? Yeah, the Python Bridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Amsterdam. She turned. She was cool, man. Yeah, she I really was. liked her. Well, and the, the idea was that from behind she looks like a kid, you know? She looks like a little girl playing in the water. When you turn her around, she's got this big belly and, like, this big crazy <laughs> face, but, like... The one thing that um, when I was up on stage, I was telling V about the character, about how, you know, when she's on the bridge, the kids know that the water's warm because they only play on the bridge for a certain amount during the summertime because the water's nice and warm. And this is actually what happens, I guess, is what they're saying. Um, so the kids will play in the, in the on the bridge and jump off it into the water. So my idea was... You know, when she's out there on the bridge, the kids know the water's nice. They'll come out and play with her in the water. And, you know, she'll just jump in and play with them. Well, V, v was like, I don't understand the storyline. She's like, I could understand if, like, she takes them underwater and drowns them and kills them. And I'm like, why, do, why does this troll have to be killing kids all of a sudden? Like, You're morbid, V. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what in the world? That, that was the challenge with uh, Doug Jones. 
Dougie, he's a hell of a nice guy, that one. Yeah. You got to work with many different uh, people on the show, many different guest judges, aside from Doug Jones, but like uh, Lois Burwell, uh, Mark Allen Miller, Todd McFarland. I didn't even... Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I forgot all about that. How? What was that like? Which <laughs> And which judge do you think uh, proved to be most helpful to you? Out of all the judges, like which, ones, which one I prefer to... Um, take critiques from, I guess, as being an artist. Um, my favorite would be um, Neville Page. Neville looks at stuff as like a fine arts major. And so he starts talking about like sacred geometry and like the flow of, you know, one thing to another. And that's the kind of stuff that I enjoy. Um, that's the kind of stuff that when I look at something, you know, that's the kind of stuff I look at. And so to hear him talk about stuff like that was just like, he totally understood it. Like when I did the Ram cactus challenge with Darla, you know, that was the first towel that I ever did. You know, we were talking about, Oh, I'm going to make these little through holes that go through the horns. And everybody on the show, like all the, all the other, my buddies were like, uh, dude, do you know what you're doing? I'm like, I think so. I hope it works out. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily it worked out. And then that's one thing that they talked about was like, I can't believe you got these holes inside this, this big foam cow. Like, how'd you do that on his head? And, uh, you know, I guess you just got to know how to do molds, you know, the right way. But, uh, and you're talking about like where the horns came back around and they connected through the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's two sets of holes that are on either side. It was just a negative space thing that just kind of anyone could have left it open, but I decided I want to make two separate voids, and uh, you know, people were kind of like, "Wow, that's kind of crazy." But uh, as far as like guest judges. Um, the, the one that stands out the funniest is uh, when Todd McFarlane was on. We didn't even know he was going to be there, and he almost didn't make it. They had us, that's the, that's the challenge that we had to do our own makeup to ourselves. Oh, wow. Um, it was our superhero or anti hero villain or whatever. And so, like, we're all in makeup, and they're like, okay, just a couple more minutes, and we're waiting, we're waiting. Okay, just a couple more minutes. We're thinking, man, like, it's going to be midnight by the time we even hit the stage. And they're like, okay, you know, we're actually gonna bring out this time. Like, we're gonna walk out, you're gonna do your things, whatever. As we walk out the first time, there's only the three chairs. So we do our thing, go back behind stage. Okay, you're gonna walk out one more time, we're gonna, you know, film it. Okay. We walk out there, there's the four chairs, there's four chairs, and there's four people in there. We're like, who's the other person? And we realize it's Todd McFarlane. We're thinking, oh, crap. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's a superhero challenge. We're like, this is perfect. Thanks. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Todd McFarlane, man. I mean, that name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just says Spawn. it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, like in the younger years. But uh, the thing that was funny about that challenge is they go through and they talk to each one of us. And we explain who our character is and all this stuff. Well, when Todd and them got in front of me, it was Todd was standing next to Neville and then V and Glenn. And uh, Todd McFarlane starts, like, pounding on my chest because I'm wearing these hockey pads. And, uh, you know, I've got my, you know, military stuff on, too. And he's kind of, like, punching me in the the chest. And uh, he's like, does that hurt? And I'm like, no. And then he starts punching me even harder. And Neville Neville looks over at him and he goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, that's the real deal under there. Neville, <laughs> Neville knew that I was a former Marine. And right then I was like, 
All right, Neville gets it. I don't even care if I win this challenge. That's not worth it all by itself. Wow. So what was he doing? Just like just testing your armor? Your way? Yeah, like Why just, was... yeah, I guess he was just trying to see how like if it was hard or what it was. But like he started like tapping on it and then he started punching even harder. And I just stood there looking at him and Neville was just like, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> That's incredible. Someone yeah. had to tell Todd McFarlane to step off. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I didn't want to have to do it. <laughs> but as long as somebody did, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was crazy. Now, you won the, uh, what was it called? The, the Clive Barker Challenge, right? So, yeah, I got the win on that one. <laughs> now, he did, uh, like, uh, Hellraiser and Candyman. Are you, are you a big horror movie fan yourself? I mean, was this, like, some kind of a dream come true for you? Well, it's funny growing up because I didn't watch a lot of horror movies. Like, I would sneak in and watch them, but then, like, I never really wanted to finish the movie because I knew something was coming up, and I wasn't sure, you know, because I was little, you know? And then even, like, being in the military, like, you know, you go through, like, briefings and stuff about, you know, this is what can happen and all this stuff, and you start seeing, like, these real images so, like, when you go and watch movies, you know, some people, like, some military people won't want to watch those kind of movies because they've seen it firsthand, and they're like, I don't need to watch that. You know, you get the other people, like me now, that, you know, when I'm sculpting uh, a open throat or something, like, I go and I look at real images. You know, I try to find, like, the most gruesome, gory stuff. Sure. Because I want it to look real, you right. know? So, like, it was later on in my years I started, like starting to enjoy it and starting to like understand what was really going on and stuff but um you know like my dad passed away when i was 11 years old and so like growing up like i had to grow up real fast so instead of like getting to do like you know the regular fun kid stuff like sneaking into the horror movies and stuff like i had three buddies and we were just running around just like chasing tail and just doing <laughs> stupid stuff you know so but we kept each other out of trouble you know sure so i mean that's and they're still really good friends of mine right now so like those are the kind of friends that you know if you can count five of those people on your hand you know yeah then you're doing pretty good in life so that's very true I, i've got a few of those friends back home where just you know cruising around out in the country is good enough you know you don't yeah. have <laughs> yeah. and that's a great time in itself but uh anyway how long does the whole process take that you were on the show? Like, I mean, during the whole filming and everything. Filming is, I think, almost three months. Wow. Two months and something. Um, totally cut off from your family and everything, too? Yeah, no cell phone, um, no internet. You don't even have, like, a pen and paper inside the house to, like, sketch down ideas and, like, write letters or anything. Like, you don't get anything. You're kidding. No. And so, like... The cool thing was, was um, they have this chalkboard inside the kitchen and they would like, if people needed like milk or something, they'd go grocery shopping. Like you would write down a list of stuff that you wanted. And then in the morning also, they'll come through or like later on that night when you get back from filming or whatever, they'll write down like, all right, eight o'clock showtime tomorrow or whatever. So like you've got your watches and people bring like little um uh, like alarms and stuff, you know, like a, a, a travel alarm or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you got the handlers that are always in and out of the house, and they'll come and wake you up in the morning and stuff just to make sure people are on time. 
So, but they left the chalk with the chalkboard. And so like Adam was notorious for like going up and drawing like an alien from like aliens, you know, or like drawing a predator or like something just, there's always something crazy on that chalkboard and they'd come in and wipe, you know, they'd wipe it off sometimes or sometimes they'd think it was cool and leave it up. And like, it was, you know, we had our own little fun in the house and they had the, <laughs> You know, they had the pool and the hot tub and stuff, but like... Oh, well, see, that's a good sacrifice. I'll give up a cell phone for a pool and a hot tub. Anyway. <laughs> it was actually quite comforting. Like, the bad thing was, was like, you can't talk to your family and stuff, and it really does, like, get to you. Especially, you know, you start out at a house with 15 people, and you slowly make friends with them, but then also slowly one goes away each challenge. Right. You know, so next thing you know, like, two weeks later... There's six of you in the house, and it's really quiet, and you're thinking, man. Mm, yeah. Still gets like, more tense each week. Yeah. You're like, well, what are you going to have for dinner? I don't know. What are you going to cook? Well, I think it's your turn to cook. Well, I'm not cooking. All right. We're eating ramen noodles. <laughs> like, That's why I wondered <laughs> if you guys, if it was catered or off, or you guys all had to take the initiative and make your own food and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and that's how it was. Like, they wouldn't they wouldn't cater in food for us and stuff like when we we're back at the house they do it when we're on set because that's what they do for everyone you know you can't sure. go away to mcdonald's and grab stuff so they bring food in for everyone and you go eat at your leisure you know they give you set times but you know you go eat at your leisure sometimes and uh but the house like they stock that kitchen full of everything in that house except for booze <laughs> you get two beers every other day. It's like, oh my god! Well, and that's the thing about the show. Like, the thing that Sci-Fi has figured out with Face Off is the very first season they wanted to load them up with alcohol and they wanted them to be crazy and they wanted them to be like Ink Master or something. Well, they, the fans completely frowned upon it, and they didn't want to see the drama. They wanted to see the people's artistic ability. Right. So, like, season two, it changed, and then, like, season three and season four and all, you know, and eventually somebody on one of the seasons was, like, sneaking beers and, like, getting completely hammered, and they were like, well, I guess next season they're only getting two beers every <laughs> other day. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Showing up to the studio sloshed, I mean. Yeah. That but, I mean, best. that's your problem. If, if you want to be that kind of an artist... I think you should be allowed to shoot yourself in the foot and get hammered the night before and come in and look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to do it in real life anyhow. Yeah, it's true. That, if it's, if that's the way you got to work to be creative, I guess. Yeah. Gregory was uh, the first person to go home on our season. And I don't know if you've got a chance to talk to him or see any of his work, but, like, he does the, um, the don't drink and drive for prom for the student body to let you know this is what what happened if you get in a car wreck type oh, thing oh yeah yeah and uh he does the makeup for him and it is disgusting like people on facebook have banned his pictures like they've reported him like <laughs> like wow. guys it's makeup and they're like yeah but it's gross we don't want to see that stuff and it's like guys it's not even real like Seriously, like, but he has, like, skull, like, the bottom of the skull and stuff is, like, all ripped off and, like, the jaws hanging off. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. But, hell, he was the first one to go home, and, like, that's the problem with that show. Like, Is it one bad, bad show or bad thing on there and you're done, pretty much? No, I mean, just the opposite for him. Like, he was, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if you, you have one bad week, you go home. Yeah. 
Right, right. But like, he got the raw end of the deal on that challenge. And like, they were blaming him for stuff that he didn't even really do or like have the decision to make. And they were like, well, sorry, you gotta go home. He was like, whatever. But he came home and like, now he's doing all this stuff and he's about to get married. He's engaged and stuff. And nice. Yeah, it's, you know, good for him. He's doing real good. And I actually want to try and get down there and see him um, down in Charlotte. And uh, he's got a school down there, too. I think I think he teaches a class with the local either tech school or the high school or something. But then uh, he does his own stuff on the side, too. The prom don't drink and drive thing you're talking about, is that the scenario where they have, like, two wrecked cars and they like reenact an accident in front of all the students yeah so they'll have wow. two wrecked cars and then like the fire department will come in and like they'll fly the yeah. helicopter in and the police will show up and then like they'll actually bring in the jaws of life and cut yes. people yes and then like they'll bring them out on the stretcher and like they'll let the kids walk by and then they'll lift like the sheet off or have the sheet off them and stuff and ha- make them walk by and look at this and be like look if you guys are dumb and you're out drinking and driving you know this is you, you just you just turned 16 or 17 anyhow. You don't understand how to operate this vehicle properly. Right. Then you're going to get drunk behind it, and you're just going to kill everyone. Like I remember like, those things when I was in school, for yeah. sure. But they never, ever, like, uh, had makeup on or anything. No, like, nothing like gruesome. that. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that would be the tipping point. That would make <laughs> it sink in much more. Well, and that's what's crazy, like... Uh, that's right back then they didn't have all that crazy stuff like they would throw ketchup on people and be like all right this guy's bloody or whatever (laughs) you know they bring out the jaws of life and they would talk about what machines they're using and stuff where like somehow he's got it in with the local schools and stuff that like they let him do all that like all the crazy open face prosthetics and like you know missing limbs and like bloody prom dresses like and he makes it look real and the people are like people get sick of you know like they right physically throw up looking at some of his work wow he does real beautiful work too like when it comes to like beauty makeup and stuff too so right but but yeah they'll never forget that they'll never yeah. forget mm-hmm. that because i like i forgot my experience with it until you just said that like you brought it <laughs> back from at least 20 years ago yeah good old flashbacks <laughs> right well, man, this has been a heck of a lot of fun talking with you. I want to thank you for uh, taking some time to be with us on our Halloween episode. But uh, before we cut you go, just uh, one more question here, and this is kind of off the topic of uh, face, face Off. But uh, if you could go back and work on any movie doing your, uh, you know, your professional makeup artist work, what would it be? With the knowledge that I have now? With the knowledge you have now. <laughs> hmm. I think I'd want to go back to, like, one of the old black and white ones. Really? Yeah, Why's like that? if I ha- if I had the same kind of knowledge now and like knew all the tricks on how to like make you know fast prosthetics and stuff, and like went back and did like a uh, um, Three Stooges or something, <laughs> like <just> something. <laughs> but did like a horror just like just complete gore horror scene, you know? Right, right. <laughs> People in the audience would be like, oh, this is funny. They start throwing up like somebody gets their face ripped off or something. They'd almost think it was real because it looks so real. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, the Stooges, I mean, a wrench to the head, you're going to leave a mark, you know? Yeah. You actually see like somebody's head cave in when they hit him with the wrench or something. They're like, 
That's not very funny. <laughs> Mo pulling Larry's hair and he pulls a chunk out and there's actually scalp attached to it or something. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <big> dummy. <laughs> wow, that got really gra- that that's a, there's an image in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody stooges. They, they go to poke each other's eyes out and they actually like poke each other's oh. eyes out. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I would kind of like to see that, I think. Uh, make that happen, Ben. <laughs> yeah, that would be, fu- be funny. <laughs> well, all right, man. Well, we're, we uh, won't take up too much more of your time, but I want to thank you so much for uh, being with us today and spending some time with us. Oh, no problem, guys. All right, again, that was Ben Peter from uh, Season 8 of Face Off, professional makeup artist. Man, he was a lot of fun to talk with. He was. That was a good season. I like that. That's probably one of my favorite, more, you know, my I, favorite ones. Yeah, and I'm not uh, one that's watched that show from the beginning. And I That was the season I got in on, and what a good season to mm-hmm. get on. This new group that's going right now, is tonight the finale, actually? Oh, that's what Brooke said. I, didn't, I know they. it seems like they've been dragging it out because... Misty and I had to catch up on like three episodes because the DVR wasn't working. Hmm. And the newest one was the final four, which made the next one the end. Right. And we were like, man, already? So we had to backtrack a couple episodes. There's been some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. For sure, but... But yeah, he, that was a lot of fun talking with Ben, so we'll definitely get him back on the show sometime here in the near future. But I think that's going to do it for our Halloween episode this week. So, Jack, what do we have on the website? We have the show blog where you can see the show notes, tidbits of what the episode was about. Uh, we got some YouTube videos, photos, uh, the Hall of Heroes, and the Candare comic book. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. There's still the contest running on Instagram right now for the autographed Zordon card from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, all you have to do is get on there, follow a few simple rules, and it could be yours. So don't delay. We're not getting a lot of activity there. It could be your card. Just just go follow the few steps. <laughs> uh, don't forget to... We haven't done anything on YouTube in a while, but we have a YouTube no, channel. Up, uh, a few things on there. Go check it out. And a few, few things up our sleeves coming up here in the next few months to keep an eye out for. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but... Like our Facebook page. Yes. And give us some uh, rating and review on iTunes, if you don't mind. We really appreciate it. Uh, we love to hear what you guys think. So I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. Happy Halloween. There's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on candarepodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! It's kind of like she's... <laughs> Mountain Dew creeping up on me. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag. 
But let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.